Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So this week on, on social media, on uh, on the Long X Ranch Cowboys page, uh, I, I think it was Mandy Wiegand, our Long X Ranch Cowboy from Missouri, that asked the question, what was your favorite sermon that you heard from Save the Cowboy? And there was, there was a couple of uh, people that responded with like the Dauntless series or the Man Church series or the Circle Breakers and you know, all of filling the gap and, and stuff like that. But it made me start thinking of, of what cowboy sermon started my, you know, ride with God in, the, in this ministry. And I'm not talking about Save the Cowboy, but me and my family at the time were uh, going to a little Baptist church in Pecos, Texas, where my great-grandmother was a founding member. And, um, you know, I was... I was the guy that you had to get the hot shot after on Sunday mornings because I always tried to fake a bloat on Sunday morning so I didn't have to go. Mainly just because it's not that I didn't love God. I just didn't really understand, you know, um, everything that was going on. And, and so anyway, when we started hearing about this cowboy church, which was in Fort Stockton, now our ranch was between Pecos and Fort Stockton, so it was the same distance. And they just kept talking about this cowboy church. And I'd never heard of a cowboy church before, but on the very... I, I finally decided to go one Sunday, and that Sunday absolutely changed my life. And the, the sermon that day um, was about how, and, and I'm going to vastly simplify it, and it, it doesn't really work that great, but what the preacher did is, is he took a rope and he threw it out on the ground and he said, you know, when you're young, you can kind of make your life do whatever you want to by pushing the rope. You know, you can get it to go this way and this way. And he kept talking. And as he's talking, um, you know, he's throwing out the rope and it's kind of kinked up and everything like that. And this is a 30 minute sermon that I'm summarizing into like 90 seconds. So forgive me. But his point was that you can never do everything on your own. You can't push your life where you want it to go. But when you reach the end of your rope, if you will give it to Jesus and let him lead your life, and he walks off and the rope just straightened out behind him. Now I know that that sounds simple, but to somebody that didn't understand a lot of the heavy theology stuff and all of that, that sermon changed my life. And I do know how to call up a rope. Just so y'all know. It's just kind of nervous in front of everybody. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> this week, four times since this service last Sunday, Four times I've had to talk to four different families that have lost somebody tragically this week. Four different families. Last Sunday, if you were here, um, I was preaching and my butt started vibrating. And that's due to electronics, nothing internal. It's, it was my phone was vibrating in my back pocket and it was my dad calling. Well, he knows I preach on Sunday mornings. 
And so I acted like I answered it, but he had already hung up. But when I got outside, um, I had a text from him and said, call me. Well, you know, no big deal. I mean, there's a time difference, and I just figured he had something to tell me about the ranch down there or something, you know, so I called him. And the night before, we tragically lost one of my favorite cousins. And uh, she had uh, she had four, uh, four kids, all school age, from, uh, I think the youngest one is four years old. Tragically lost my a cousin of mine, and... Um, It's been tough trying to be there for these families, and I'm not making it about me, but man, your heart just goes out because I got to talk to four families, one of them being my own, of people that had reached the end of their rope of, you know, just not quite sure how to, to go on like it was. And over the week, I've thought about how Jesus dealt. How do I say this? how Jesus dealt with his situation when he reached the end of his rope. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, it talks about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And me and Ty and, let's see, I know Sherilyn and a few others in here, got to go to Israel. And we got to, the Osbournes, uh, we got to, McKinney's, um, we got to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was on the night that he was betrayed whenever he was uh, arrested. And in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, we can learn five things about how Jesus handled his situation when he had reached the end of his rope. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. And Jesus went to the garden. So, sit here with you while I go over there to pray. When Jesus reached the end of his rope, he prioritized prayer. The very first thing he did when he got there is he said, Sit here while I go over here and pray. Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray when he reached the end of his rope. But this wasn't an isolated occurrence. Jesus had always prioritized prayer, and that's why I listed it in the very beginning. When you're at your wit's end, and it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in, whether it's financial or spiritual or physical or whatever the case, we, we, we never minimize pain at Save the Cowboy because pain is pain. But if you've reached the end of your rope, we need to do what Jesus did and prioritize prayer. But like I said, not just at the end. Jesus did it throughout his whole ministry. After his baptism, what happened? Jesus went out to the wilderness, and what did he do? He fasted and he prayed. After feeding the 5,000, what did Jesus do? He went off by himself to pray. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he taught them how to pray. He even prayed out loud when he raised Lazarus from the dead so that others could see, could, could hear him. Now, if, if you're not really familiar with that story, um, Lazarus was not a disciple. He was Jesus' best friend. And Jesus would go to Bethany where Mary and Martha, the twins, 
uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived, and Jesus would just hang out with them. They were uh, they were kind of his release, <laughs> you know, place just to go eat a good meal. And, you know, I don't know, did they watch football? I'm not sure what they did in Jesus's day. But that's where he hung out. And so Jesus is off doing ministry, and he gets a message that Lazarus is sick and close to death. Please come quickly. So after getting the message, Jesus waited four days. And during that four days, Lazarus died. And Jesus gets back, and he, he knew Lazarus was going to die, but I think God had already told him, let him die so that we can raise him back up from the dead so that others may believe in me. Give glory to God. And so uh, Jesus goes, and right before he raises Lazarus from the dead, this is what he says. In John chapter 10, 41 through 43, it says, Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Now, he's saying this out loud, and there's a ton of people around, right? He says, Jesus looked up to heaven. He didn't bow his head, right? Isn't that, you know, everybody thinks you've got to bow your head when you pray. Jesus prayed, and he looked up to heaven. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. So it doesn't matter if Jesus was, was alone and he prayed or he was with people. He prayed silently. He prayed out loud. He prioritized prayer. And if you've reached the end of your rope, I implore you to prioritize prayer in your life. The second thing that we must do when we reach the end of our rope is we need to surround ourselves with those that are close to us. You know, um, after my cousin passed away, um, I, was, I was talking to my little brother, and I, I know where Amanda's at. I know where Amanda's at. And, but my heart just went out to Sean and the kids. And I was talking to Jason, and, and I said, man, I said, I know where Amanda is, but uh, my heart is breaking for Sean, and because Sean is such a good guy. And my brother said, Kevin, I'm not trying to like be self-demoralizing to me and you, but he said, Sean's twice the man me and you are put together. And I and I I don't doubt that. I really don't. He's a good, godly Christian man. He works hard. He is the best father I think I have ever seen. And he was an amazing, an amazing husband. But I didn't know what to say. I mean, is there anything that you can say? So you know what I told him? I said, Sean, I love you, brother. That's all I said. That's all I said. If you are in, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 37 and 38, it says, he took, he being Jesus, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See, what Jesus did when he reached the end of his rope is he, he surrounded himself with those that were closest to him. He surrounded himself with those that were closest to him. And if you're with someone that is at the end of their rope, let me give you some, I mean, because here, here's the only two scenarios that will ever happen, okay? You will either be the one at the end of your rope or you're going to be with somebody that is. 
okay, at some point in your life. And if you are with somebody that seems to be at the end of their rope when they are just like Jesus, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. When they are at the end of their rope, listen, do not try to make them feel better. Do not try. There's nothing you can say to make anybody feel better. Words fail us. But you can be there for them. Don't try to rationalize or, you know, get all theological. Man, that's, you know, and it may even be true. It's just not the time. You just need to love on people. Just love on them. Just be there. Sit there with them. Hold their hand if, you'll let, if they'll let you. I don't care if you're a guy on guy or a girl on girl. It doesn't matter. Just be there for them. Love on them. You know, if you're the one at the end of your rope, though, listen, don't be afraid to lean on close friends and family. You know, before I came to save the cowboy, I was one of these big, tough cowboys that just tried to do everything on my own. I don't need, yeah, people don't need to listen to my problems. I'm big and tough. I can handle it myself, and that is a load of dung. That is a load of manure because thanks to God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and those closest to me in this ministry, I have learned to rely on them. And I don't know where I would be today without my close friends and family. I really do not know where I would be. We are not meant to do this alone. So if you are at the end of your rope, let somebody be there for you. Even if you don't feel like it, it will mean the world to you later to know that somebody was there, that somebody said, hey, what do you need? I'll do it for you. Let them do something. Don't rob them of that blessing. They're trying to help. Don't be afraid to lean on close friends and family. And there is a time to be alone when you're at the end of your rope. There is. And that's the time that you prioritize prayer. But also, don't take offense a lot of people try to be there, and a lot of times people say some really silly stuff that just doesn't help at all. If you are at the end of your rope, just try to, try to give them grace because they really are trying. They really, really are trying. So if you've reached the end of your rope, man, we, let's do what Jesus did. Prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer and also surround yourself with those that are close to you. I got a, I got a message on Facebook the other day. I'm going to read it to you. I didn't know this guy. He sent me a friend request. And then just right after that, I got a message from him. And it said, Kevin, if you don't see this or don't respond, I won't be offended. My wife has just in the last week been hitting your podcast hard and listening every day. And then yesterday, her brother was killed in a car wreck. We live a few hours east of you, and if you could find the time to do it, I think a phone call from you would mean a hell of a lot to her. If you want to do it, I'll get you in touch. And if not, don't sweat it. Less than 30 seconds later, I said, what's her number? And then I called, and she declined the call. I mean, she didn't know who it was calling. You know, I don't blame her. So I messaged him back. I said, hey, she declined the call. He's like, give me a second. And he's like, call her back. So I called her, and he didn't tell her who was calling. And I said, hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. And she goes, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm so, so sorry to hear about your brother. And then I just told her that I loved her, and I asked her about him. 
And she went on for about 20 minutes, and you could hear the love in her heart. You could hear the love in her heart. But while you know he was killed in a car wreck, and while she was telling me about the situation, which I won't get into, I kept thinking, what, what if... What if he'd have been just a minute sooner or a minute later? Or, you know, what if, what if this? What if that? What if this? And then I realized that that's a rabbit hole that there's no escape from. Because it's not what happened. It's not what happened. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, it says, He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. In other words, he did not dive off into, well, what if we did, you know, instead of me dying on the cross, God, what, what if we did this? You know, maybe we could make a perfect rabbit or something? I don't know. But he didn't live in the what-if world. He said, this is a reality, and this is what I'm going to do. We must see and treat things as they are, not what could have, would have, or should have been. We must look at the situation when we reach the end of our rope. We need to look at the situation through the lens of faith, hope, and love. Because that's what it is. That's what it is. It's faith that God is there. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the, uh, the uh, poem about the footprints, right? And, and if you don't know it, it goes something like, you know, God said, I had a dream, and he's praying, and he's like, I had a dream, and, and I saw two sets of footprints walking in the sand of Jesus walking with me, but then I noticed that during the darkest times of my life that there was only one set of footprints, so I asked God, I said, why during the darkest times of my life did you leave me? And Jesus responded, he said, during the darkest times of your life, I didn't leave you, it was then that I carried you. We don't need the what if rabbit hole. We need to look at the situation as it is through faith, hope, and love, and the faith that God is there and He will never leave us nor forsake us. It's a promise. And the hope that this pain is temporary. Look, we have, we have a glorious future. Even though life is hard down here, we have a glorious future planned, and we have that hope that one day we will be reunited with those that we love, and it will be so perfect. No pain, no sorrow. And we have to know that God loves us and will never leave us. We can't just dive into what ifs at the end of our rope. We need to look at the situation as it is through the lens of faith, hope, and love. Yesterday, yesterday, Cammy and I um, went to see her uncle. And if you don't know who Cammie is, it's my fiance sitting in the coral dress in the front row. Thank you. Cammie and I went to see her uncle. And her, her uncle had one best friend, and her uncle's best friend had one best friend, and it was her uncle. And her uncle's best friend was stabbed to death by a homeless man outside of his apartment. And when we went over to see him, you could see the pain in Brian's eyes. My heart just went out to him. But even, even though you could tell he was extremely upset, to his credit, he remained very calm and positive and spoke very, very highly of his deceased best friend. 
And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus says, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And when you reach the end of your rope, you know what is so easy is just to, just to let the emotions just overwhelm you. And it's just, it's easy to freak out, but you know what? Freaking out never solved anything. And it is so difficult to stay calm. But listen, emotions are real, but they are not real reliable. They're not real reliable. You know, the, the first time I ever spoke behind a pulpit wasn't as a preacher. It was at my mentor in Texas. Um, Ralph and Kathy lost their son in a car wreck, and they asked me to do the eulogy. And I remember looking down about where Cammie and Kim are sitting and thinking to myself, how does their heart just not stop with grief? I mean, how, how can they put one foot in front of the other? And actually, it was the first time in my life that I, like, nearly physically, not physically, but I nearly physically saw God holding two people up. And I've seen it many times since then, even when they were unaware of it. It wasn't them going on. It was God carrying them. They were able to laugh. They were able to smile. They were able to remember. And I was astonished by the power of God in that moment, even long before I was a preacher. And finally, the Collins family is here. John lost a wife and Jared lost a mother this past week. Jared called me and asked me for help, which just, I was so sorry to hear about everything that happened. I, I, I loved his mom. She made our shirts for our first ranch rodeo. I went and got mine out and looked at it. I'll never forget that. But Jared asked for some help. He surrounded himself with people that he knew loved him. And we stepped in and helped. The funeral will be here next, next Sunday after church, uh, 2 o'clock or 3? Three? 3, 3 o'clock. But you know, as I talked to Jared, man, he was standing up, manning up, under extreme grief, and it didn't surprise me at all, of the man that he has become, of who he is, and that whole family. And he took responsibility, even during the roughest time when he was at the end of his rope. Same with John. Same with the whole family. And in Matthew chapter 26, Verses 45 and 46, it says, Jesus says, But look, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Even when Jesus was at the end of his rope, he did what was right. He stood up. He didn't decide just to lay down. He said, I have been sent here for this purpose for this, for a time such as this. I have come to make all things new. So let's get up and let's do this. And you know what? When you reach the end of your rope, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to live. We have a responsibility to love those around us, even in the midst of heartache. And we have a responsibility to remember them. To remember those that went before us and to remember those that are going to come after us. 
to take responsibility. These five things, they apply to nearly any situation in our lives, not just when, they, when you reach the end of your rope. But it might be a good idea to practice them so that when you do reach there, that you can prioritize prayer. That you can surround yourself with friends and family because we were never meant to do this life alone. To don't live in a what-if world. To look through the lens of faith, hope, and love at every situation. To stay calm and not let our emotions run away with us. And to take responsibility for every single thing in our lives because there's an amazing freedom when we take responsibility for everything in our life. And let me say this, not everything that happens in your life is your fault. As a matter of fact, most of it's not. But that doesn't mean that we do not have a responsibility to conduct ourselves in a way that honors those that came before us, that honors the situation that we're in right now, and can be a testimony to others. Because we go through things so that we can be there for others when they do that, when they go through those things. To prioritize prayer and surround yourself with those that love you. Not to live in a what-if world, but to look through the faith of uh, look through the lens of faith, hope, and love to stay calm as best we can and to take responsibility for every single thing in our lives just like Jesus did. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, there's so much pain in the world today, but let us look to You for everything we need in this life and the next. What we need is for Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and let us lean on Him in the good times so that we'll be practiced up when life tries to throw us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank y'all for loving me. We love y'all. If you need something, let us know. If we can do it, we will. If we can't, we can pray with you about it, whatever. And thank you. Like I said, thank you for loving me. And I love y'all, leaving y'all nod heads. So please be in prayer for all those families that we mentioned today. And we'll see you next time.